Welcome back everyone to the Young Adult Novel Audio Podcast. Um, So again, I am reading from the story Supernatural Academy by the author Maria Grant. Um, I did a recap of (laughs) the best I could. Like you guys, so much has happened. I did the best I could recap for chapters 1 through 20 on the last um, episode. So if you haven't listened to chapter 20, go ahead and listen to that for like a recap. And if you haven't listened to any of them, I really highly suggest you going back to chapter 1 so that you can be fully caught up um to where we are now there's only 26 chapters you guys i'm starting with chapter 21 there's about i want to say like another 90 pages to go so we're pretty close to the finish um and yes so i have a facebook page if you want to recommend me reading another story even if it's a story that you yourself have not read but you want to listen to it or to see if you're interested in it um, just go ahead and check out the Facebook page. It's at YA Audio Podcast. Um, go ahead and search it um, and just leave a comment on that Facebook page so I can be let known of what you want to hear or any feedback that you have. Again, the Facebook page is at YA Audio Podcast. So check that out. Leave me a message. Um, And I'm going to get started on this chapter. And I do want to let everyone know that um, after I finish this book, I will be starting another book kind of along the same theme as this, but still with that young adult kind of like um, theme to it, supernatural theme to it. Um, But I can do another book. So just let me know what you guys want to hear. And I will certainly do that. If you want me to change, like, the tone, you know, just give me feedback, stuff like that. Um, I will certainly do that as well. So, without further ado, I will be starting with chapter 21 now. And the chapter is called New Discoveries. Sophie lays in her bed, throwing a ball up and down. As Declan rests the back of his head against the baseboard of her bed frame as he sits on the floor. He has a hookah in his lap and is making circles out of the puffs. When I heard Hendrix Televaro that he was acting the way he was because the spell brought him out, out his true desires... It scared me, Sophie says randomly. I never realized how sheltered I was until that moment. I grew up with supernatural creatures, so I don't fear them. But not all creatures are the same. Some will kill me without even blinking an eye, and I never really thought of it. I've been sheltered. (sighs) Tell me about it. My mom is a magical. Declan looks at the closed closet door as he talks, hands clutching the hookah. She married my hunter dad, ignored his cruelty to magicals and me, and denied her own heritage. Declan shakes his head. She sent me away, and I thought it was okay because I was convinced 
she was normal and couldn't possibly understand me, but he doesn't finish his statement. My dad is not a nice person, Soph, he whispers quietly. She should have protected me, but she hit me. A butterfly isn't born able to fly, Declan. Sophie leans over Declan to state. First, they crawl as a caterpillar. Then they cocoon, and finally, they are able to spread wings. Your mother needed to go through her own growth. Is what she did right? Of course not. There are no excuses for her lack of protecting you. But at the same time, she's realizing she was wrong and she wants to change for you for your protection she's growing i'm not interested in her growth he admits he takes a few more puffs and then inhales and exhales and leans his head back because you're hurt sophie says with a knowing tone and you're scared but it's okay to be scared I'm starting to learn that for myself. Two quick raps are heard on the door before Yates saunters inside. Yo, my mom is here. And she brought my grandmother and aunt with her. Moderating emoji. Declan perks up slightly at this and stands quickly. Oh, emoji's here? What's she wearing? Declan ponders as he walks out the door. Ew, Yates. Ew, Yates' aunt? Sophie frowns up her face. Hey, there's nothing wrong with my aunt. Yates glares at Sophie. They reach the bottom of the steps before Yates can respond to Declan about Emoji. Aw, my poor Declan. Emoji coos and wraps her arms around the teen so Declan's cheeks are crushed between her breasts. I can't believe that woman deceived all of us. Settle down, Emoji, moderated demands. We came here for a purpose involving Anders, not so you can coddle that boy who's obviously fond of your breastfeeding in his face. Declan smiles wider and allows himself to be hugged tighter. He bounces back rather quickly, does he not? Emoji laughs as she pushes Declan a bit away from her. All right then, all right then, let's settle down to business. Anders, you tell Matteray, you hold Matteray's hands and close your eyes. Yamada and I will circle around you along with Kaya and Reed. Everyone gathers in place. Kaya finds herself looking to Declan, who makes eye contact with her and slinks further away from Emoji, like on instinct. I want everyone to focus on the location of Yaris, Yamada states. Kaya freezes up, along with Reed and Anders. Kaya can feel Reed clutching harder on her hand, and she feels the same. She thought they were going to try and get a vision on the relation between the boy in Japan and the Druids. She had no idea of Mrs. Murray's true intent. This isn't going to be like Harry Potter, right? Anders asks nervously. Like, if we look into Yaris' location, he won't be able to see that we're poking around his mind and find us. Stop being so scared, Matteray chastises unapologetically. You're magical. We do not fear fallen angels. Reed glares at her with strong heat, and Declan gives her his best what-the-fuck face showing his disbelief. 
Um, some weird ass fallen angel got juiced up on some good old demon powers from Lucifer himself. And now he's going around murdering magicals and you say not to be afraid? Declan snorts. I'm trembling here. Have faith in your powers, boy. Madaray lifts up her chin. You are standing with members from a powerful coven. Yaris doesn't stand a chance. Kaya seriously doubts her words, but they are comforting all the same. Gates remains on the couch looking impassive, and Kaya really wishes she could learn how to school her face to stop showing her emotions so much. All right, everyone, focus. Yamada brings attention back to the situation at hand. Remember, concentrate hard on seeing Yaris' location. The quicker we find him, the faster we can defeat him. Declan closes his eyes and thinks about Yaris on the surface level of, of his mind. But deep down, he hopes this is one big flop and they don't get a hit at all. He doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to be strong and end up some sort of martyr. He's a kid. A teenager. He still leaves his underwear on the floor and think farts jokes are funny. He has no place going up against some creature hell-bent on creating a genocide just to release his lover from some prison world. How will you guys kill him? It found. Kaya dares to ask. Declan peeks one eye open as he listens in for the answer. Sophie, too, leans forward as she waits in anticipation for the response. We're going to send him to the realm of the beast. He'll be dead within moments. Yamada states just as bluntly as Yates would have. Uh, isn't opening the portal to that realm dangerous? Malcolm asks concerned. If Malcolm is worried, Kaya is absolutely freaking out right now. It'll be a one-way portal, Madara assures. If that option is too dangerous... Then we'll let him be with his lover and trap him in Asgard as well, placing an extra seal on the door to prevent any escape. Kai doesn't feel very secure anymore. What if a beast gets loose? Then what? You'll be dead by then anyway, so it doesn't matter. A small, annoying voice rings in her head. Reed squeezes her hand and returns the comforting and she returns the comforting gesture. She closes her eyes and focuses her energy on allowing Anders and Madara to get a vision of Yaris's location. Anders can feel the circle working, magical energy flowing through him, boosting his ability. Madara clenches his hand tightly and he can feel how cool her wrinkly fingers are. All of a sudden, his head flings back as his eyes roll into the back of his head. He can feel his body shaking slightly as the vision rushes to him, even though it feels like the vision is inside of him somehow. Anders sees the sign for the town. It's nighttime, given the darkness with stars glistening in the sky. There are brown and black capes covering hunched-over people who appear to be in a crescent shape as if guarding something or someone. There's an eerie voice chanting something in Latin, and Andrews can't understand it. There are trees all around, but one stands out because there's a heart carved in it. Probably some childhood lovers year ago etching their commitment in the tree. Someone isn't focusing, Madaray grips. Anders opens an eye and looks around before closing it again. His body shakes once more and the scene changes.
Now he's watching two cloaked people arguing in the woods. The tallest one makes a wild gesture with their hands before storming off. The shorter one just looks on and shakes their head. The scene changes again as daylight and a young-looking boy is walking down a dirt road. He freezes, then all of a sudden, drops dead. The scene changes again, and this time, the back of the academy is seen. Chase is sitting on the bench with a book when he suddenly freezes. He looks ahead in confusion and instantly jumps to his feet to run, but it's too late. Three people with hoods on walk straight up to him, casting a spell. He seems to be in pain as he drops to his knees. They look to do something else, but Zaire comes from the woods and they disperse. Anders is the first to open his eyes. He feels exhausted. Like he's just come back from running a marathon. He falls to the floor and Madare lets his hands go. Reed is quick to open his eyes and help his brother up, assisting the twin and walking to the couch. Madare twitches her nose as she sits in one of the chairs, the others following suit. And is is first to share what he saw. Kaya goes to text the werewolf immediately and Sophie goes to warn her mother. Meanwhile, Madare is looking on and absorbing the information. If you're done, Mattery states coolly, I was able to see exactly where they are hiding. She says it like a statement, but there's a hint of a smugness to her tone. We will need to wait until Halloween, which is when it would all take place. When what would take place? Malcolm questions. The resurrection, of course, she responds. What was your vision? Yates asks next. I saw Yaris's real face. It's sunken in and looks like a walking corpse, but his powers are strong, Mattery starts. He was chanting near a river before he disappeared, and then his followers resumed suit for him, chanting and shedding their own blood, shedding their own blood in a pentagram drawn on the ground. And how do you know that it happened on Halloween? Sophie looks up from her phone and ponder. There was a blood moon, of course. Mattery states as she looks up. The only blood moon we'll have, again, will be on October 31st. The cursed moon. Reed whispers under his breath. That just might work. He gets up suddenly and begins to rush out the room. Gates, follow me. Gates furrows his brows, but does as he's told, and the two teens usher themselves out of the house. The blood moon, Reed whispers to Gates as they get outside. I'll use the strength and curse of the blood moon to complete the ritual that will save Kaya's life. Gates is concerned, but he trusts Reed, so he gets in his car and allows the team to direct them on where they need to go now. While Reed and Gates work out a plan, Zaire is receiving a text from Chase. Zaire was on his way to the school anyways to meet Annabelle when he got a text from Chase letting him know of Anders' vision. Normally, Zaire would be going into a rage about Chase listening to magicals, but after seeing the warning signs, Zaire knows the druids are on the move. There's a fight on two fronts. The Druids and Yaris are working for two separate causes, and Zaire doesn't want to be in the middle of either one. 
This is one of the reasons why he wants to get in contact with Siren so bad. He needs to know if they are ally or foes because a war is coming and there is nothing anybody can do about it. Zaire just wants to make sure his pack makes it out of the fray alive, even if that makes him the bad guy. So be it. Z, thanks for meeting. Chase blows out a breath of relief after seeing the outer. He wraps his arm around Zaire's neck and sends the man before pulling away. Chase, you have to stop shaking. Zaire tuts. It's unbecoming of a werewolf. I almost died just now. Let me be scared. Chase defends. Zaire sighs so heavily he can feel his shoulders rise up and down. You didn't almost die. Zaire deadpans. He sees Chase's face and sighs. <sighs> Fine. Be scared this once. Zaire relents. I'll protect you. He promises. Chase nods his head and chances coming closer. Zaire rolls his eyes and sits on the bench letting, Ch bench, letting Chase snuggle up under his arm. You used to do this when you were a pup. Zaire comments. My mom would take so many pictures. Chase hides his blush. That never happened. Chase lies. Whatever you say, kid. Zaire snorts. Oh, there's your sister. I called for her. He states as Annabelle comes bouncing up to the two of them. She smiles at her brother and begins to show signs of shyness to seeing Zaire. Hello, Zaire. She says with a soft voice, eyelashes fluttering up and down. Annabelle, come. He pats the spot next to him on the other side of the table. She sits hesitantly and bites on her bottom lip. I heard you're friends with the Siren twins, Kamaya and Tiandra. Yes, she says simply. Are you willing to introduce them to me? He leans over to whisper. It would make me so happy. Of course, she says a little too eagerly. I'll text them now. Good, have them meet me here, Zaire commands. She nods and brings out her phone to text him. You should get back to your dorm. Chase, walk with her. It isn't safe out here. Chase gives up and nods, taking his sister by the hand as the two siblings walk away. Zaire sits and waits alone. It takes him only about ten minutes before two giggling girls are walking from the back of the dorms and over to Zaire. We could get in trouble for meeting you this late. One of the girls says with the twirling of her long black hair. Shush, Kamaya, we're fine. The other states as she flips her blood orange hair over her shoulder. Tiandra, Kamaya whines but doesn't say anymore. You wanted to see us? Tiandra questions boldly. Are you in contact with any siren packs? He goes for blunt. Besides our own? Hmm... We know some up in Portland, Tiandra states. If I asked you to come with me to see some sirens, would you agree? Zaire notices a change in both of the teams, once flirty and open, now reserved and cautious. Why? Kamaya sternly questions. They are on land, killing, he responds honestly. I want to know why. I... Tiandra starts and stops like a goldfish. If we agree... Do you promise not to kill them? Not unless they provoke me. He chooses his words carefully. They're sirens. Of course they'll provoke you, Kamaya snips. We can't agree to this. Come on, Tiandra. Let's get back before we get in trouble. Kamaya pulls on her arm to leave. 
Tianja turns around and sees Zaire, and she gets dragged away. But she makes sure to whisper her phone number under her breath. She knows he'll be able to hear it with his werewolf abilities. Tiandra knows the dangers of getting involved with siren business, but she hates the killer nature within her. If she can help stop some of her own kind from killing and causing destruction, then she will, whether Kamaya agrees or not. Meanwhile, Zaire is pleased that he's finally getting his way. He doesn't have to let Tiandra know that the sirens aren't actually killing anyone, but they are singing for hunters, and he wants to know why. While Zaire goes home and prepares for Portland, a few days have passed and Emoji is at her home with a tracker. Viviana Lorraine is the coven's tracker. She usually teams up with Emoji to track people down. Emoji has had her on an assignment to search for descendants of the Khan coven. And since she doesn't have a list of living survivors, Viviana has had to use Kaya's magical connection to the ancient coven in order to track down any descendants is all. Standing at only 5 foot 2, she might be small her power packs quite a punch. Her bow, her power is being able to track. She has the, if she has a picture, magical energy, or a name, she'll be able to hone in on them anywhere in the world and get an accurate general location of where they are, just as long as they're alive. I'm only sensing three others connected with the same magical coven connections as Kaya. Viviana Stacy Emoji. Jesus. Emoji runs a hand down her tired-looking face, age finally catching up to her. There were like six on that list just a month ago. She shakes her head. They're moving faster than we can catch up. I just left from Yamada and Madare two nights ago. We got a vision with the help of Anders and his friends. Now this? Doesn't it seem odd, Viviana? Ponders out loud. Why are Druids doing all this for Yaris? Why? What do they get out of helping Yaris release his lover? Yaris and his lover have killed magicals before. They've killed anything in their way of destruction. Why the devotion? Probably isolation. Emoji shrugs. Druids are isolated and rejected from magicals. That kind of isolation can lead to toxic thinking. Anyone stepping in and saying that they matter can lead a group of people to following the wrong path just so that they can feel as if they belong. God, Viviana replies with a saddened tone. We really do isolate them, don't we? Well, Emoji shrugs. Before the killings began, many were wary of druids because they had no boundaries, no limits. The hunters began tracking them, other supernatural creatures began to hate them, and magicals disassociated themselves from them in order not to receive the same treatment. It was about our survival. Now they're working with Yaris to raise a demon so powerful and dangerous, an entire coven had to cast it away in another dimension. Viviana replies, it's just sad, in a way. Feeling sorry for them won't end well, V. Emoji warns. They are murdering innocent people. Are any of us truly innocent? Viviana looks out the side of her eye to Emoji. The elder witch hums and levels her eyes to her friend. If I find out you hold sympathy for them, I will tell Yamada. Emoji warns. I shouldn't have to explain what that means. 
Viviana clears her throat and turns away from her friend. Here. Viviana grabs a list and thrusts it into Emoji's hands. The names of all the living survivors in the locations. You should warn them they're in danger. Viviana goes to walk away when Emoji grabs onto her arm. Don't do anything, stupid V. Emoji warns. I know your sister was killed after turning out to be one of Yaris's original followers, but don't allow her misguidance to affect you as well. Because if it does, she pauses, you'll share the same fate. Viviana doesn't reply. She turns her face to one of anger and snatches her arm back before walking away. You don't scare me, Emoji. Viviana calls over her shoulder. Emoji just stands there and laughs in the empty room. Viviana says one thing, but the quiver in her voice says something entirely different.